Welcome to the Old Man's Podcast. This is episode nine. Let me tell you what you've got to look forward to coming in this episode of the Old Man's Podcast. The old man rants on where modern communication has taken us. He looks for an answer to the question, who needs an alarm? And finally, staying on the topic of communication, He's going to take a look at a couple of terms that the older generation uses and that the younger generation uses. You don't want to miss any of the Old Man's Podcast. Subscribe to the Old Man's Podcast on the app that you use for your podcast delivery. Stay connected to the old man's world by finding the old man page on Facebook. That's the old man page. Find it on Facebook and like it. From there, you can find links to take you to the old man's blog and walk into the world of blogging. Make your opinions known. Share your thoughts and ideas with other like-minded folks. The old man also has Instagram and Twitter accounts. Those links can also be found on the Facebook page, the old man page. Search it out, find it, and like it. I need to know if this is just me or do other people, maybe especially old guys, experience the same phenomenon that I do. What kind of phenomenon is that? I don't need an alarm clock. It is as if some kind of internal clock within my brain knows what time it is while I'm asleep. Pretty much every morning, I wake up at the same time. During the entire pandemic, For five months, I never one time set the alarm, and I never woke up much more than 15 or 20 minutes either way of the exact same time in the morning. And it didn't matter what time I went to bed the night before. The consistency was remarkable. Now, going back to work, I set an alarm, but I find out I don't need it. The time I need to get up now is about 45 minutes earlier than the time I was randomly waking up for the last five months. And now get this, after just one morning with the alarm, I wake up every morning just before the alarm goes off. I don't need an alarm. What gives? What is going on? How on earth does this happen? Is this a product of decades of waking habits? I did the math. I've woken up more than 22,500 mornings. 
Have I somehow trained my body to a certain waking time or have I conditioned it to monitor time subconsciously? Does this happen to anybody else? I'm putting that question on the blog. Please contribute. You know, sleep is a really strange thing. It's something I've always marveled at. I've never had much trouble with sleeping. I know a lot of people do. I guess I'm lucky in that regard. I know it's important. That's why sleep apnea is so dangerous. Heck, it's even fatal. The long-term negative effects of poor sleep are well-documented. I've had sleep studies done on me before. I use an oral appliance now to combat sleep apnea. I never much liked that CPAP. I was glad to get rid of it. I think if you're even remotely suspicious that you might have a sleep disorder because it's such a serious thing, yet it's often overlooked, you should consider at least having a sleep study done. In fact, my doctor thinks everyone over the age of 40 should have a sleep study done. It's been a while since I've had one done, but each time I have it done, it's been easier and easier. The sleep study technology sure advances quickly. I do continue to monitor my sleep through an app on my phone. There are a number of sleep health apps that claim to monitor your sleep. They seem to record you while you're sleeping to let you know if you're snoring or even if your breathing stopped. I don't know how accurate they are, but it's no big deal to use them, and it's certainly better than nothing. The app I use seems to work. It breaks my sleep down in light, heavy, and REM. It's interesting anyway. Just go to your app store for your app, type in sleep, and see what comes up for apps. See if there's anything that interests you. My doctor, as I said, really feels that a good night's sleep is very important to good health. That's why I've had three sleep studies done in a matter of probably less than 10 years. I read recently that during REM sleep, your brain organizes the day's memories. And if you don't have enough REM sleep, your memories don't get properly categorized by your brain. The researchers seem to indicate that he believed memory loss or problems with memory by older people could be connected to poor sleep, specifically not getting enough REM sleep. My doctor once told me that a sign of sleep apnea was not dreaming. Well, I do always dream, and I remember most of my dreams, well, for at least a little while after I wake up. But I did remember my dreams even when I was diagnosed with sleep apnea. So maybe he's right, maybe he's not. But it wouldn't hurt when you first wake up to get into the habit of asking yourself, did I dream last night? Just to make sure you're in a good sleep state. And aren't dreams wonderful? Like some kind of free entertainment. Especially those crazy Lucy in the sky with diamonds kinds of dreams that are way, way outrageous. We all have crazy dreams. Some psychologists, probably not all of them, say dreams reveal something about your psyche. I don't know if a dream interpretation is a bunch of crap or not, but just in case there's something to it, I do have an app that does dream interpretation. I think it's a little bit like astrology, where the interpretations are so vague, it could apply to anything. At best, dream interpretation is probably just for entertainment value, but maybe something that reoccurs in your mind during dreaming might have something to it. Sleep is wonderful. I love the entertainment value of crazy dreams, the feeling of waking up well-rested in the morning. If you don't feel the same way about your sleep habits, then please, by all means, tell your doctor and ask about seeing a sleep specialist. That is really an easy way to take care of your health. Heck, you're doing it while you sleep. How hard could that be?
Alright, sit back. I'm climbing up on my soapbox, and this one might just take a while. When trying to make a phone call, have you ever said out loud, or even to yourself, answer the damn phone? Does it bug you as much as it bugs me that people choose not to answer the phone? Answering the phone is something that just doesn't seem to happen much these days. People don't answer the phone. Of course, you have your family and your close friends, and they'll generally answer when you call, I mean, if they can, right? But acquaintances, or maybe people who you otherwise don't know at all or very well, they generally simply do not answer. Of course, I realize it might just be me. Maybe nobody wants to talk to me. Maybe I shouldn't be complaining at all. I should just be grateful for the peace and quiet. But I'm not. And I don't believe it's just me. So let me go on. Do you remember the good old days when the phone rang and we gleefully jumped up and went to answer it? It was on a desk or hanging on a wall. We had rotary phones. And I still remember getting the first touchtone phone. That was super cool. But when the phone rang, it was going to be exciting in some way because someone who wasn't immediately around me wanted to talk to me. That would be great. I could make a contact with my friends. Phone calls were fun then. Talking on the phone was really recreation. The joke about girls, especially, sitting around talking on the phone till late at night. And that was how you communicated with your girlfriend or your boyfriend. You'd talk on the phone when you got home. Because you couldn't always be together. And then it even got better sometime in the 80s when they invented the answer machine. That was the best because you didn't have to worry about missing a call. An important call or an unimportant call didn't matter. You were going to know somebody was trying to get a hold of you. And you could call them back because there was telephones all over the place, right? Pay phones, telephone booths. The things were scattered all about the community. We were always able to stay in contact with family, friends, and of course, we could never get away from it, work as well. It wasn't all that hard to talk on the phone. We did it for hours. And that's why I find it odd that now that it's even easier, because we've always got a phone or two on our person pretty much all the time, we actually engage in less verbal communication as a society than we did, I don't know, maybe since the telegraph was invented. And I'll point out, for those who get it, Dick Tracy was ahead of his time. You can have a phone on your watch now. Anyway, take your good friends and your family out of the equation. If the people you have to call are anything like most of the people I call, they simply do not answer the phone. And again, it could just be me, but I gotta believe I'm not the lone ranger on this one. Nowadays, it seems like people look at their phone ringing as an annoyance. Not like an exciting human-to-human -human connection that a phone call once was. I would bet most people don't answer their phone when the number they don't immediately recognize shows up. Instead, they choose to let it go directly to voicemail. Moreover, I believe there is an ever-growing percentage of people who not only don't answer the phone, but leave their voicemail intentionally either full or inoperable so you can't even leave a voice message, which I would have to assume they never intended to check anyway. What these people want, and I think it's what most people want, is a text message. That's how people communicate now. 
Text messaging certainly seems, right now anyway, as a preferred mode of communication for the majority of people in our society. So let me proceed to make most people mad. That's stupid. Don't turn me off. I got a point here. I'm just saying, there are times when text messages make sense. A text, sugar pie, how about picking up a loaf of bread on your way home? That's a good text. That's an appropriate use of texting. But for a hospital or your kid's school to have to text you news that your kid broke their arm in the playground or worse, that would not be an appropriate use of that form of communication. So if you're not answering the phone, what is anybody supposed to do? And believe me, that's not that far-fetched. You can ask any other educator you want who's tried to call home how hard it is to get someone on the phone. People want to text or they'll take an email. I advise you teachers every time, don't give them that important and sensitive information as a text or as an email. If it's important, tell them. I am a firm believer that once you keep all forms of communication open and in play, do not rely solely on one or two what seem to be easy forms of communication. There are so many more ways to communicate. There is, in modern times, no excuse for not being able to reach someone. But the trick is, you see, is to appropriately match the communication method with the message. If the phone rings and you're not doing anything else that isn't particularly urgent, then you should answer it. Cell phones are great. You can block numbers. If some goofy operation that's selling something keeps calling you or calls you even once, just block the number. Then you don't have to worry about it. But if somebody does need to talk to you, you ought to at least check your voicemail. And don't always assume the numbers you don't recognize are unimportant. Do you really want somebody to just leave you an important voicemail like your house is on fire or your great aunt Hazel died and left you a million bucks and then you don't get to it for a while? Why is it so bad to simply answer the phone? Let me tell you what I do if you text me with a simple message that is maybe two or three sentences long. I'll answer it. You're not asking for too much. Simple text gets a simple answer. For example, if you texted me, what are you doing this weekend, or something like that, I'll answer you. I'll tell you what I'm doing. However, if you begin a long series of clarification questions, or if the original text you sent me was a long, drawn-out message with multiple sentences, then I'm probably not texting you back. I'm going to call you instead. I got like a three text limit. If this texting conversation gets to me having to give you a third text message, then I'm calling you. Because you're taking up too much of my time, a phone call can get it over with real quick. This is especially true if the message I'm going to give you would contain any kind of emotion on my part or a message where tone may be important, either as interpreted or misinterpreted, then I am most certainly going to call you because text messages do not convey tone and do not accurately display emotion. I have seen so much drama happen in people's lives because of a simply misunderstood text and that should never happen. Texting is supposed to be easy, it's supposed to be simple, 
And when it's easier to call, why don't you just call? Honestly, is texting even an effective form of written communication? Isn't it simply meant to be a quick way to superficially communicate? If a hands clapping emoji tells the complete story, then that's a pretty appropriate text. But if it takes much more than that, you're probably using the inappropriate form of communication. While we're on the topic of written communication, let me tell you this. If an email, also a written form of communication, right, goes into multiple paragraphs and starts to get too long, like some kind of manifesto, I don't think you deserve an answer because you don't respect my time. Pick up the damn phone and tell me your story. You over-frustrated wannabe unauthor guy. Why is that so hard? If you do that to me and send me one of those multiple paragraph or multiple page emails, all you're going to get back is one sentence. Call me. I'm not interested in long emails and I'm not interested in email conversations that are going to launch me into multiple days running conversations that will take up way more time than one simple phone call would have taken care of in the very beginning. All right, all right, I'm ranting. Let's go back to telephone communication. If you need to deliver a message to somebody that has any emotion attached to it whatsoever, and tone may or may not become an important part of this message, then I think you are foolish to deliver that message as a text. Messages like that should be a phone call. So, you call somebody and they don't answer. Happens all the time, right? I say leave them a message. Okay, that's not asking for too much, right? If this is an important message, I don't think you leave a whole lot of detail, especially if there's gonna be an emotional attachment to the message or to the information that you're passing on on the part of the person receiving the message. Keep your message simple. Maybe just ask for a return call. You can give them a little bit of an idea about what it's about and perhaps give them some level of urgency, like call me when you get a chance or you need to call me right away. Those mean two different things and you should get two different reactions. Now, if the voicemail is full and you can't leave a voice message, then that's not all that uncommon, is it? That person wants a text. Well, at that point, I've hit a roadblock. So I'm gonna have to text them. So I will text them. I'll text them that I have an important message for them and they need to call me at this number. Now what happens most of the time at that point, you don't get the phone call, but you get a text almost right away because you know they were sitting there looking at their phone when you were calling, they didn't answer it. But now they're gonna text you right back because you got something for them. They're gonna text you saying what's up or something like that. I'm not gonna tell them. I'm not gonna tell them in a text, otherwise I would have started with a text. So my reply text is, Call me as soon as you can. How is this unreasonable? It's not, is it? Now, if they get with a third text and they ask one more time, what do you want? I've already been down this road. I'll give them one more chance. I'll text them one more time at most, call me, and then I'm done with this conversation. As a courtesy, I feel like when you leave someone a voice message, you should try to follow up with text. Because some people have their phones set so they don't know they got a voice message. So following up with a text is a nice thing to do. 
the text would be something like, hey, I left you an important voice message. Please call me if you have any questions. Or please call me. Something like that. I've got that saved as an auto text. You know, you can do that. You can set your phone up so you have these, like, I'm in a meeting. You can text somebody when they call you. I'm in a meeting. Call me later. Uh, something like that. So I have this set up where if I leave a message, I can then text with just a click of a button or two. Hey, I left you a message. Please call me when you get a chance if, or if you have any questions. So it's just a couple button presses and boom, we're there. Alright, so that's where we are in terms of telephone communication. I know we can't get away from texting, and for some stuff, I don't want to. Let me be clear with that. Texting has its use. But texting as a primary source of communication is just plain lame. I think the ultimate form of verbal communication is still a personal visit. You gotta try it once in a while. Especially when you're trying to communicate with somebody that's in the same building as you. Yeah, their office might be on a different floor or their desk could be down the hall. But why is it so hard to just get up and go see it? Get some steps in. Stop by. Say hi. Make a little eye contact. You know, be human. That form of communication, especially if this is a message you want them to know is important and you want it to mean something to them, it will be extremely effective to pay a personal visit. It's going to stay with them for a while. Eye contact, human contact, it's going to stick with them for a while. Really, if there's some message you want to stay with a person for a while, make it more personal. And it's hard to get more personal than a personal visit. So the final form of communication that I feel like has been lost, and I look for opportunities to bring it back, is the written note. Yeah, just like birthday cards, thank you cards, get well cards, you know, anything that is really a heartfelt message. And if you really feel it is important and you want to deliver it effectively, then try a written note. Now you can buy a card, you can make your own cards, you can just use a piece of paper. It really doesn't matter. Okay, yeah, it sounds a lot like a GIF or a meme, but everybody knows how easy it is to just send a text with a meme. It doesn't mean you did a whole lot. You didn't go out of your way to do that. Taking the extra effort to handwrite a thank you note for somebody at work, it'll go a long way. I'm not breaking new ground here, but I'm suggesting that you consider it. So, the old man's advice to both young and old is to carefully match up the type of communication you're going to use with the emotional level of that message. You know, I'd love to hear what you guys think on this subject, and that's going to be easy to do. It's on the blog this week. Log on to the blog and tell everybody what you think about answering the damn phone. Maybe you're a loyal listener, or perhaps this is your first time listening to the Old Man's Podcast. Either way, how about doing the world a favor and keeping one less grumpy old man in the world? How can you do that? Well, by simply making a happy old man out of me. You can do that by helping out with this podcast. Please pass this on to everybody you know. If you're listening on an app, 
Please go back, subscribe to the podcast, and do a quick review or rating of the podcast. The Old Man's Podcast. It's not just for old men. It's for everyone. All right, boys, bring it in. Time for a pep talk. We need to have a talk about the use of one certain word. I believe there is a serious overuse of this word in our lives. I also believe that this can be damaging to our psyche. That word is someday. I remember when I was a kid and I asked my mom for something that I thought I really wanted at the time. But I'm sure it was a little bit crazy, like can I build a treehouse in the backyard or something goofy like that. She would normally reply with a heartfelt, we'll see. I wonder if your parents were the same way when you asked for something crazy. Did you get the same answer of, we'll see? I'm sure the first few times I was told, we'll see, I was excited because what she's saying is, there's a chance. But I bet I pretty soon realized that we'll see meant, I don't want to deal with this now because the real answer is, of course, no. I'll just put that argument off for another day and I'll tell you, we'll see. As an adult, our use of the term someday is the same thing. It has the same effect as a child hearing, we'll see. How often do you say out loud or to yourself that someday you're going to do something? You're going to see something or someone. What you really mean is you're never really planning to do that and that you don't have the time to deal with it now. Life is beating you up. I don't have the money for this amazing whatever it is. I don't have the time to do it. Right now, I don't want to deal with the disappointment of not being able to do this thing. So in my mind, I'm going to put that disappointment off for another day. I'm going to say someday. Let me be clear. I think someday is a legit term to use in certain occasions. I don't want to be a dream smasher here. You should dream for someday. But to realize your dreams, you have to have the will. You have to have the fortitude, the strength to make that someday happen. For example, I'm in my 60s, and if I think someday I'm actually gonna climb Mount Everest, if that's my dream, any opportunity I ever had, if there was such a thing as an opportunity for me to climb Mount Everest, that's long gone now. There are, of course, many other dreams that I may have once had that are physically not possible for me to do. Young people can say, someday I'd like to backpack across Europe. But for me, that time is long gone. It's not gonna happen. And for me to say, someday I'm gonna backpack across Europe, it's really just being disingenuous with myself. Again, I'm not trying to be a dream smasher, but I think there is some value with being real with myself. I believe we shouldn't say someday to something that you know you're not gonna do or ever get a chance to do. But if you do want to use the term someday because you really do dream of some event or some action that you're planning, then you have to have the intestinal fortitude to make it happen. Man up or woman up and make it happen. Don't just talk about it in the someday nebulous thought process of your brain, especially if you know deep down that you're not really going to make the sacrifices that it takes to get that done. If you're going to seriously consider it, 
and it's something that's really big, sacrifice will be involved. When you say someday, you're talking big. Guys, gals, that's the coward's way. If you are going to think that someday you'll start this business, or someday you'll fix this relationship, or someday you're going to go to this place, or someday you're going to go to that place, someday you're going to lose weight, someday you're going to start working out, someday I'm going to go to see my doctor, someday I'm going to start eating better, you get the point. Don't just say it. Make that happen. Talk is cheap. And when we're talking about your happiness, when we're talking about your life, cheap is not the way to go. If you think you deserve this opportunity, if you think you deserve to have this dream, then don't you owe it to yourself to make that dream happen? Hey, if you need help, ask for it. If it's a long, expensive project or goal, start saving today. Put a little bit away each and every day to achieve your dream. Make the sacrifice. If it is some kind of gargantuan undertaking, then I'd suggest setting benchmarks to get you there. You know, a journey of a thousand miles starts with a single step. Your health, weight loss, if that's what you're needing, then start with that single step. Sure, I believe in this world. If you dream it, you can achieve it. The only thing that puts limits on your achievements is probably you. And using the word someday without a plan behind it, that's going to be the attitude that limits you the most. And that's the danger of using the word someday. It is because it's not a solid attitude. There's no plan to it. It's like we'll see, knowing all along that the answer is never. Folks, don't make it never. Make someday mean someday. Plan for your dreams. Don't regret the things that you didn't do someday. Researchers are starting to look at the millennials into possibly being two separate categories. And there's a language phenomenon I ran into recently. It makes me think that might be true. Now, the two groups that you would divide the millennials into are those born in the early 90s and those born in the 80s. The ones that were born in the early 90s were just really children, babies almost, when the millennia switched over. Don't, they don't really remember the events that occurred in the early 2000s. The ones who were born in the 80s do. The millennials who were born in the 80s were older children and young adults, really young adults in the, in, in the year 2000. So they remember those events and that what's been going on since then much more clearly. There seems to be more of a tie between those younger millennials, the ones born in the early 90s, and then the gen Zers that come into play in the late 90s and are not being born today, but have been born up to 2015, so that 15, 20 year span. I've noticed in language, the young millennials, the ones born in the early 90s, and the Gen Zs born 10 years or so later, share some quirky elements of their language. Other generations, even younger millennials, wouldn't share these language quirks necessarily with the Gen Z's, but the young millennials do. And I have one example I want to pull out for you. 
I heard of some Fallon the other night. They're kind of, you know, again, making fun of millennials. But this one was, uh, I think, a politically based skit that they were doing. But the term they used was pop off. So the kid doing the talking, he had something to say. He was going to pop off. Now, I've been hearing that from high school age kids, and I've heard it is used by millennials. Other than this skit on TV, I haven't really heard it much, but it seems to be an example of numerous language quirks, if you will, that are shared between those two separate generations. So the, the young 20-somethings haven't pulled away necessarily in language anyway from the older Gen Zers or young, very young college or old high school. They do share these quirks. So pop off. I started thinking about that. That's pretty cool. It's like sound off, only it's pop off. So I'm going to pop off. I'm going to tell them what I think. Or sorry, man, I got to pop off. I'm going to tell you what I think. And it's pretty creative. It's quirky, but it's, and it's colloquial, but it's certainly interesting. It's got some style. I like style in my language. And I think I'm gonna use pop off. Now I know it's gonna sound like an old guy trying to be a young guy, but I don't care. If I gotta pop off, I'm gonna pop off. You should too. That was one of the advantages, right? Of being an old guy, you don't care what other people think. If they don't like me popping off, they can go away. Go do something else. I'm gonna pop off. So this is me popping off about pop off. I like it. Now you know about it. Yeah, it sounds pretty stupid maybe when grandpa's telling the kids he's gonna pop off, but hey, who cares? Pop off. Hope you enjoyed the podcast and you can pass it on to everybody you know. Heck, even if you didn't enjoy it, why don't you just pass it on? Call it a prank if you want. I don't care. I just would like more people to listen. Find me on Facebook. Send me an email at email at yahoo.com. Let me know what you think. We'll make you a part of the show. How's that for enticement? Get off my grass! Damn kids.